Welcome, folks. We made it to episode two of the Spirit and Truth podcast. My name is Nathan Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Steve Sudworth. Steve, do you want to give a, an, another brief intro, just in case we have any, any first-time sure. tuners? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Steve, Steve Sudworth, and I'm one of the elders at Anthem Church. And yeah, great to be back for episode two. Sweet. Well, guys, we just want to say thank you for everyone who listened to episode one and shared. I was just sharing with Steve about how we had a nice little breakdown of people from really kind of all over the globe, um, with the majority of our listeners being in the U.S., but some listeners in Canada and mm-hmm. India as well. Um, the one listener in India is probably my grandma, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go with the fact that it's maybe um, some random people that are listening. But yeah, we just want to say thank you for episode one. We're trying to figure it out as we go. And so um, all feedback is being accepted accepted and welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, the main one we've gotten is audio quality. So hopefully that'll be fixed as we're recording here. Um, yeah, we just want to say thanks and that, you know, we hope that you guys continue to share, like, and subscribe um, the podcast. And yeah, keep shooting your questions in. This episode, episode two, is going to be in response to a question. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people had a question about the mature church of Acts mm-hmm. um, and just that snippet that we talked about last week. And so that's what we're going to spend a majority of our time in, which is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Steve's going to read it here shortly in a bit. And we're going to unpack the fivefold ministry and how that is a part of the mature church of Christ. And so, yeah, without further ado, Steve, do you want to kick it off by uh, reading the passage for us? Sure, absolutely. Um, just to kind of give some context, um, Ephesians is a is a just an outstanding book. Um, Paul, it's I mean, I actually need to stop right there because I'm going to go off in, in uh, significant tangents if I start to unpack the book of Ephesians. But I do want to read one verse out of chapter 5 before we get to the text that we're going to look at today. And Paul is writing um, to to wives and husbands, and um, he says this in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so that's obviously... Um, is speaking about marriage, but um, Paul is using the interplay between husbands and wives and Jesus and his church. And so with this understanding that Jesus is coming back for a mature church, a mature bride, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless, uh, he does. He tells us that he has done something at his ascension. And he, uh, Paul tells us what that is in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, we'll pick up from verse 11. So Christ himself, this is at his ascension. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become and become its mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Awesome. Steve, just to clarify, because um, <clears throat> I think if someone's just hearing this podcast, verse 9 and 10, that's when you're talking about when it says that Jesus ascended and said these words. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yes, absolutely. Just to clarify. I was like, oh, I, I guess I never made that connection myself. Well, let's actually, if we can, let's just back it up um, yeah. to verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. And then uh, in uh, verse 9 and 10 talks about what his ascension means. And then it's the revealing of what those gifts mm -hmm. are. So Christ himself gave, and these are the gifts that he gave to his church. Yeah, that's good. I just wanted to clarify that because yeah. I know someone listening would be like, Jesus said this as he was going up into the air. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. That's good. Um, sweet. So with that being said, verse 11, right, it gives us breakdown of what he gave the church. Can you unpack each of those real quick, like a quick definition? And maybe we can work our way through one by one, maybe starting with apostles. What is an apostle? Um, what did an apostle do back then? Mm. Um, what do they do today? Mm -hmm. Is there a difference? Mm -hmm. Do modern apostles exist? Sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's important to note before we kind of unpack that, to notice that um, not only here in verse 11, but I think the context throughout Scripture is never titles, but functions. T not titles, but gifts. And you'll notice in every one of Paul's letters, um, he never starts off by saying Paul, the apostle, or he doesn't start off by saying Apostle Paul. It's always Paul, an apostle, little a. Mm -hmm. So he's not referring to his apostleship as a title, uh, thereby giving himself value, but he's talking about function, a, a gift that he's been given to perform a function on behalf of Jesus to the body of Christ. Mm. And I think that's true for all five of these. Mm. It's not pastor, capital P, or apostle, capital A, or evangelist, capital E, but it's the gift of an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Um, I think that's important. Um Without going into too much detail, I mean, I think the New Testament is very clear. There are the 12 apostles who were with Christ, who saw Jesus. That was the, um, th that's what uh, set them apart as apostles of the Lamb. Um, Paul is a unique apostle mm -hmm. um, in the sense that he never saw Jesus in the flesh, but he saw the resurrected Christ. Mm. Obviously, we know that happened in Acts chapter 9. Um, but the Bible does make it clear that there are apostles, small a, as a gift, a function, not as a title, mm -hmm. um, that are, are around. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 makes it very clear. Revelation chapter 2 um, talks about, uh, sorry, I've just turned there, let me just find the verse. When um, Jesus is writing the letter to the church in, in Ephesus, he talks about... Um, in verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles. Mm. So this is written kind of towards the end of the first century. And here Jesus is saying there are those who claim to be apostles. There are those who are false apostles. Mm -hmm. By virtue of that, there need to be true apostles. Like, yeah. And this is 60 years after Jesus' ascension, death and resurrection. Mm. So... 
I, I very much do hold to the belief that there are apostles. There are the there is the gift of the apostle. Um, I think it's important as well not to isolate the apostle from the other four gifts. Um, the 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 five gifts are given by Jesus to his church. Mm-hmm. And before we kind of break them down real quickly, um, I think we can see that their purpose in verse 12. So Christ gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why did he give them? To equip his people for works of service mm. so that the body of Christ may be built up. So these are not... These gifts are not given to fulfill the work of ministry. These gifts are given to equip the people of God to do the work of ministry, Mm. to do the work of ministry of preaching the gospel, of advancing the kingdom of God in every sphere and influence entrusted to them. So when we have an evangelist, according to Ephesians 4, an Ephesians 4 evangelist or a fivefold evangelist ministering to the people of God, not only do they have the fruitfulness of seeing people saved, but if they are true Ephesians 4 evangelists, they're leaving a deposit within the hearts of people Mm. to want to go and evangelize. Yeah. And it's the same with a pastor, and it's the same with the apostle. Mm. My understanding, as what we see in Scripture, is an apostle is little a, I'm going to keep emphasizing that, (laughs) is... Is an apostle is someone who pioneers, is someone who breaks open new new regions, new territory, new nations. Mm. Someone who is uh, has planted churches. Someone who has who has a recognized gifting to pioneer the work of the gospel. Mm. Um, they work in conjunction with the other gifts. So the apostle, kind of the one with an apostolic gift, breaks open ground, breaks open territory breaks open nations mm. um, to the gospel. They work in conjunction with the with the prophet who has a gift to hear what the Lord is saying and to communicate that to the people of God. An evangelist who has a passion to preach the gospel. An Ephesians 4 teacher who has a desire to, those who respond to the gospel, to sit them down and to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And then the Ephesians 4 pastor who has a passion to want to see people healed and made whole, bringing their their hurts, their uh, lack of freedom, and enabling them to step into the freedom that is available in Jesus. And so we see this, this Ephesians 4 gift set, these five gifts working together, as it were, to bring the church, bring a church into maturity. Jesus was the fulfillment of all five. Jesus was the apostle the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, Mm. the prophet. And I'm convinced that a mature church is a church that is breaking open ground in the area in which they are based so that the gospel can be preached. They are speaking the heart of God to their community. They are teaching the word of God and they're helping people come into wholeness. And in in doing so, kind of... uh, uh, um, exhibiting all five of these gifts. Steve, I I have a question because I think when you think of apostle, Mm -hmm. right, um, I haven't heard that term much Mm -hmm. in the West. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, like, I joked on the last podcast, I never really brushed aside, I brushed aside this passage. Is that something that you saw more in, 
you know, for the listeners that don't know this, Steve's background, he was from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you see more in Eastern cultures, I guess? Um, slash, I guess my question is, why don't we see apostles um, as much? Or you know, I'll even add prophets to that one, too, because I mm-hmm. feel like teachers, evangelists, pastors, we see quite a bit in, in the West. Mm-hmm. But those two specifically, is is there... You know, can you kind of unpack that question? Why don't we see that in the West? And um, sure. what does that look like in your experience, those two specifically? Sure. I, I do think we actually see these gifts here in the West. But unfortunately, I think they're often self-appointed mm-hmm. um, gifts. You, you often see people with, unfortunately, in, in, in church contexts with business cards, with apostle mm-hmm. so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so or, you know, prophet so-and-so. And, and unfortunately, they, they're often self-appointed. Mm. Um, people sometimes assume that if you lead a large church, you are worthy of having the title apostle. And again, we, do, we don't see that in Scripture. We, we don't see that at, at all in Scripture. My experience in, in third world contexts, which is where I kind of got saved and grew up and got involved in, in, in church ministry, is this understanding of, of the, the function that this, these gift sets serve the local church how they serve the local church so again and and when a, a when a an ephesians 4 apostle comes into a local church um they are leaving that deposit that desire within the servants of christ to want to break open areas for the gospel not necessarily becoming apostles themselves but carrying that apostolic heart that's the, the, the function of the Ephesians 4 apostle to release an apostolic heart within, within followers of Jesus. And the same as the evangelist, the same as the prophet, re- releasing or leaving behind a, a, a passion for that gift set that, that that Ephesians 4 gift is functioning in. Yeah, that's good. And I'm like trying to think of like scripture as I'm reading, as mm-hmm. you're speaking here too. So, we think about the apostles that we know, the 12, you know, the disciples mm-hmm. that eventually became the apostles. Mm-hmm. They went to each church and then they equipped the church and then they moved on. Is mm-hmm. that kind of the function of what you would see that today? Like is now, for example, like is Anthem Church supposed to have a prophet, apostle, a teacher, evangelist, pastor? Like should they have all five of that solely dedicated to Anthem? Or is the function of these five gifts um kind of ebbs and flows and maybe not committed to a local church, if that makes sense. Yes. So I, um, I think we also need to acknowledge that the emphasis of the New Testament is is local church. Mm. And I think, I think again, we, we, we see this when we read the book of Acts, um, especially in Acts chapter 14, I think it is, and Acts chapter 15, when Paul and Barnabas are sent on Paul's first apostolic journey and it talks about what, yes, Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas are set apart by the Holy Spirit in the beginning of Acts chapter 13 for the work to which they've been called. And then we read about that work in Acts chapter 13 and 14, which is to, to break open new regions, to plant churches, and to uh, set in or ordain church leadership or, or elders. Um, and that's that apostolic function. And as we read more and more of the book of Acts and we read Paul's epistles, we see that Paul has a, a team of, of these Ephesians 4 gifts to which local churches partner with. 
but they are those gifts are very much based within local churches. Paul had a very strong connection with the church in Philippi, for example, um, and his desire was ultimately to break open territory to get to Rome, but he was very much rooted in the church in Philippi, as an example. Um, if we sorry, if we stick with Acts chapter thirteen and Acts chapter fourteen. If you read the text, what we see is Paul is released from the church in Antioch. He plants all of these churches, and then he returns back to the church in Antioch that sent him, and he reports all that the Lord had done. So we see this apostolic gifting is not a, a lone ranger. It's not somebody isolated and separate from the local church. He is accountable to, he is accountable to the local church. That's where he, he receives his ministry, his accountability. That's the place from which he is sent. And that's the place that he returns to after he's fulfilled his particular gift. So it, it's, it's not these five gifts kind of sent off on their own, but very much rooted within the local church. So to get back to your specific question, Anthem Church partners with a ministry team of men and women who lead their own churches, um, but in addition to leading their own churches, have a recognized Ephesians 4 gifting. Not self-appointed, but recognized by a number of people. Um, and we partner with this translocal team, this ministry team. Um, there are a number of them around the world. I, I can think of probably 15 or 20 um, translocal ministry teams around the world that are modeled on Paul's ministry team. Churches partnering together and we are able to, to call in these Ephesians for giftings. It acknowledges a, um, it's a recognition on our leadership team at Anthem Church that we don't have the fullness of the gift set that our church needs. So there might be a season, for example, as we as an eldership team are praying and we get a sense that God is really wanting us as a church to reach our community with the gospel. And we realize that as an eldership team, we aren't necessarily fully equipped to take us to that new level. So we might reach out to someone that we recognize as an Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians 4 evangelist mm. and invite them to come into the church and for them to minister. And again, according to Ephesians 4, if they are doing the, what they are called to do, they will leave a hunger and a desire and a deposit for, the, for the, 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 the saints, the followers of Jesus, to do the work of ministry, to continue to evangelize according to the gift set that they brought. Three or four years later, we might sense that, that God wants to minister and care for the people at Anthem Church. So we might bring a pastor, an Ephesians 4 pastor, to come and do something similar, and so on and so forth. That. On that last one right here, just pastor, when you say Ephesians 4 pastor, is that different than my local church pastor? Um, do you consider yourself an Ephesians 4 pastor? I guess is my question. Like, you know, like I feel like we throw that word pastor around mm -hmm. so much. And is there a distinction between the Ephesians 4 pastor and then the pastor at the church down the street? I guess is what I'm trying to ask real quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a good question. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't die on a stake for, for, for this. I think there are different ways to interpret that. I do think um, the, the word pastor in the New Testament in the context of the local church is used interchangeably with the word elder and the word bishop. Mm 
Mm. And those three terms are used interchangeably. We see that in 1 Peter chapter 5, um, when Peter writes to, he says, to my fellow elders, uh, and he talks about being shepherds or being pastors of, of, of the Lord's people. Mm. In Acts chapter 20, Paul does something very similar. He uses those three phrases interchangeably. And in, um, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he says exactly the same, same thing. He uses those terms, those phrases interchangeably. So, um, again, the word pastor in the context of the local church is not a title, but it's a function. Mm. Um, I do, it, in the context of an Ephesians 4 gift, I do, it is important to understand in most translations, it doesn't say so in the NRV, but in most translations it says, God, Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. So this is not a gift set for all. Mm. This is a gift set for some. And Ephesians 4, pastor, is someone who has shown fruitfulness in shepherding and caring for people within his own church and therefore has that recognized gift set to go and help other churches to release that particular gift. Um, to your question as to do I, do I consider myself an Ephesians 4 pastor, that's a very important question. And I'll tell you why. It's not important what I consider. I can say I'm an Ephesians 4 prophet and no one else recognizes me <laughs> as, as that. I'm not an Ephesians 4 prophet if it's not a recognized gift from others. Yeah. So um, I, I, I've been used, I, I've been invited into other churches to teach and to unpack the word of the Lord. Some have said that they would consider me an Ephesians 4 teacher, although I would never use that label of myself because it's not really important what I consider myself to be. It's how the gift is received by others. Does that make sense? No, that's <clears throat> totally good. And just a little anecdote. And I, I use this all the time, Steve. You're gonna, I think you might know what I'm talking about. When, we, when I first came across Anthem, um, I didn't get a chance to meet Steve the first time, but I went up to him the second time and I kept calling you Pastor Steve. <laughs> and you stopped me. You said, hey, I, I'm not Pastor Steve. You can just call me Steve. And I, up until that point, that was the first time I ever had, um, you know, someone in ministry, a priest, you know, back in my church, my one of the folks was saying, Achen, call me, <laughs> you know, just call me by my first name. And, and that stood out to me because, yeah, like you said, you know, you, the, one, the humility of that is is was so uh, profound to me. And then two, just to know that, um, yeah, that you didn't identify that as your title. So I think that is super important that one, the audience knows that Steve isn't just saying these things. He's also living by it. I just want to um, publicly just acknowledge that right there off the bat. Um, so it, it does answer my question. I think mm -hmm. it's good. And even as I'm speaking, I'm like, yeah, I'm keep flipping between the title and Mm -hmm. what the function is so that's good just if i can just quickly make a, a yeah. quick comment i think it's important that this idea of of titles is so important because or, or the idea of not using titles should i say is so important because it's very easy to be wrapped up our identity and our worth to be wrapped up in a title god has called me to lead anthem church for this season and if my identity was wrapped up in that task there is going to come a time, I don't know when, but there will come a time when the Lord will ask me to, to open my hands and not to lead Anthem Church, to hand the church over to someone else. Mm. And if my identity is wrapped up in being the pastor or a pastor at Anthem Church, 
One day I've got identity and worth and value, and the next day I wouldn't have. Mm. So our identity, every one of us, needs to be first and foremost in the truth and reality that we are sons and daughters of the Lord. And the function, the gift, the calling that he gives us is subservient to that, which I think is such an important thing for us to fight for, especially in the West, where titles are, are, are assigned very quickly. Mm. That's so good. Um, yeah, we are such a doctor so-and-so mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. teacher so-and-so, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, but you're, you're right. That, mm-hmm. is, that is good. Um, see, real quick, I just I felt the Spirit leading me in this direction with we were, when we were reading Ephesians 4, um, I've been really meditating on Acts 13. There's a group of us in my prayer group that we're trying to plan our service project, and we read Acts 13. That was like kind of the anchor passage that we started with to to kind of go from there. And so, you know, it's interesting that you, you bring that up because something that happens in Paul's and Barnabas's first mission trip, essentially, is they run into Elimas, who mm-hmm. is a magician, mm-hmm. the inauthentic. And I was just kind of making this connection here in, right, you talked about how Paul, that he was an apostle. He went and he broke land in Antioch, if, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And so, right, Paul... Breaks land and part of, I guess the connection I'm trying to make is Ephesians 4, 13. It says uh, the purpose of these this fivefold ministry is so that uh, it's for the building of the body until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of son of the Son of God to mm-hmm. mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this is the, the kicker here. So it says that so that we may no longer be children mm-hmm. tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in these deceitful schemes. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping, and maybe this is a little bit of a stretch here, mm-hmm. that maybe you can talk about how the authentic comes mm-hmm. and kind of exposes the inauthentic too. Because mm-hmm. I think we see that happening with Paul and Barnabas. Mm-hmm. And it says they went through all the land mm-hmm. and then they came across the inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Um, twofold question. One Will that always happen? Will the authentic expose the inauthentic? Mm-hmm. And then two, um, is there a connection there with um, that happening? Um, I, I think I, I, I'll answer your first question. I'm not sure I fully understand your second question. So let me let me kind of take a stab at it, yeah. and then you can kind of circle back and let me know whether I, I got it right. Um, I, I do think the authentic will expose the inauthentic. And, and I think sometimes we... Um, we sometimes overcomplicate what is trying to figure out what is the inauthentic. And for me, authentic ministry, if especially Ephesians 4 ministry, if you read Ephesians 4, it talks a lot about equipping people, um, unity of the faith, gr- becoming mature, growing up into the head, which is Jesus. It's, it's Jesus-focused. It's Jesus-focused ministry. The, the Ephesians 4 gifts always point people to Jesus. I mean, I... I it sounds so simple, but I, I think it is. I think it's that simple. And one of the one of the tests that we can always uh, apply when we sit under quote unquote Ephesians four or fivefold ministry is is this causing me to 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 be amazed at glory and and to glorify Jesus? Am I am I drawn to Him or am I wowed by the gift? You know, am I Am I falling more in love with Jesus or am I uh, uh, enthralled by the gift that the person has? Now, 
some of the, the gift can be um, incredible. There can be signs, wonders, and, and miracles, great preaching, unpacking the Word of God. But ultimately, we should leave, having spent time with an Ephesians 4, whatever, saying, oh my goodness, what an incredible Lord we serve. Not, oh wow, what an amazing teacher or what, you know. So I, I think it's that simple. I, I think the authentic will always point us to Jesus. And I think the inauthentic won't. The inauthentic draws us to the individual. And I think it's that simple. Uh, it, yeah, I, I really do. No, yeah. And you kind of head on the question I'm going on. I, I have this weird wavelength in terms of how my thoughts flow. <laughs> so bear with me, audience. Um, yeah, I just try to make that connection because it says in Ephesians 4, right, verse 13, it says that, um, sorry, verse 14, it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed mm -hmm. to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Mm -hmm. So I took that verse and I applied it to what was happening, right? Scripture interprets scripture, what mm -hmm. happens with Elimas, Paul, and Barnabas, mm -hmm. right? They're the authentic apostles. Mm -hmm. They see the inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, something that's so unique to me about that passage is that one, it says he's a magician, mm -hmm. right? Which was probably mind-blowing for a couple people who might mm -hmm. be even listening to this. But then on top of that, it says he's intelligent. Mm -hmm. And that is so is so key to me because it's something that I feel like, real quick, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but it's something that the Lord's really been showing me in this past year is that intelligence always is not equal to godliness. So good. Right? Like so good. There, there's so many people that have biblical knowledge, theological knowledge, mm -hmm. can break down the Greek and, and really sound biblically smart, mm -hmm. but that doesn't always mean that they are really authentic, I yeah. guess, for lack of better terms, or they're yeah. really walking with the Lord closely. Yeah. And and yeah, Elimas is, is an example for me, but I think I was just trying to make the connection of, yeah, Paul and Barnabas, they're the authentic. Mm -hmm. And then they come and they're put in juxtaposition with the the inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And the inauthentic got exposed in that moment. Exactly. And so I think what I'm trying to kind of maybe go on a limb and say is that when the authentic comes, mm -hmm. will the inauthentic be exposed in people like Ellie Mass, for example? And then two, um, how does that maybe work in the modern day, I, I guess? Hmm. Good question. I mean, yes, I, I I do. I do think the I do think the inauthentic. I think I think as res, as receivers of inauthentic ministry, we should be able to discern whether this gift is pointing us to Jesus or not. Mm. Um, so I think in that sense, yes, there is that that um, that test that we should that you know we should test everything. Uh, I think it's in first first John. Um, where the apostle writes that we, we need to test everything. First uh, Thessalonians five, but then also it it, it, it comes up again in in, in First John. Um, there is a responsibility that we have to test everything. Um, we ultimately stand individually before the Lord at at the end of days to give an account for what we have heard and how we have responded. So um, I, I I think it's it's dangerous if we are just lapping up everything without doing due diligence to you know submit it to the word of god um mistakes can be made and and um no one is perfect this side of eternity so so every single person has preached something off off kilter um it's not saying we throw out everything because someone has missed the mark slightly but if someone is is heretical absolutely we say no, thank you. That's inauthentic ministry. So it does require a little bit of discernment not to throw out an entire gift set just because a mistake is made. 
Um, regarding your second question, to be honest, I'm still not kind of getting the angle <laughs> as to what it is you're, you're asking. So I think I'll pass on answering the second question. <laughs> I'll bring it up next episode once I've okay. it <laughs> That's awesome. People are probably shaking their heads listening to this. Um, to bring it into land here, um, Steve, what would you say is like the application for the listener? Should we be questioning whether... You know, like, should we want to run into the fivefold ministry? Um, how can we get the fivefold ministry involved in our church? Mm-hmm. What does the application of that look like in our local church? Yeah, it's um, it is it is a little tricky um, to to um, to navigate this if one is part of a church that doesn't necessarily subscribe to the importance of uh, fivefold ministry gift, you know, gifting. Um, if that is if that is the case with, with where you are um, in a church that is open to fivefold ministry gifting, um, that church probably is having these gift sets in through the church on a fairly regular basis, and I think it's important to expose yourself to their ministry, to sit under their ministry, to to uh, you know certainly in our church, for example, we would prepare the church for a week or two prior to an Ephesians four ministry gift coming into the church to help them understand you know, what it means to receive that particular gift. Um, in the Gospels, we're, we're told um, if you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. So in other words, if if you prepare yourself and you acknowledge and you understand that this person is coming with a prophetic gift, you receive the prophet, then you re- will ultimately, if you're making room in your heart for that gift, you will receive his reward. There's, there is a partnership in preparation for Ephesians for ministry. And then after Ephesians 4 ministry, I think it's important to, to individually and with others sit down and ask a number of questions. You know, what, is, what did God say? What does God want me to do? What is my response to Ephesians 4 teaching? We, sub- we, we submit to Ephesians 4 ministry not because, uh, not because they are uh, because of hierarchy, but because of an acknowledgement of gifting. Having said that, True Ephesians 4 ministry is always in submission to the local eldership team. And that's, that's an important statement to make. Scripture teaches very clearly that the highest human authority within a local church is the eldership team of that local church. So when an Ephesians 4 gift comes into that church, they don't come in as someone sent from headquarters and the elders need to submit to their teaching. No, they submit to the eldership teaching, bring their gift, and then it is the elders' responsibility to navigate what they do with that. They might say, you know, that was outstanding. We need to respond to that. But that, I think we can put aside. And so that's the interplay between the Ephesians for gift and the local eldership team and the local church, how they, how, you know, how they would particularly respond. It's so good. Well, folks, this is the, getting to the close of episode three here. We just want to put out a quick note uh, for everyone. Even myself, I'm trying to wrap my mind around some of the stuff that was <laughs> was said today because, yeah, this is new to me and I'm sure it's new to a lot of people that are listening. So we really, we just want to emphasize um, a lot, like just questions. Mm. You can send them my way um, on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, yeah. and, and then Steve at Steve at AnthemForAll.org. Oh, yeah. Perfect. There yeah. you go. Um, 
this is never intended to be a standalone podcast where mm-hmm. we, you know, are the final authority. So we just want to encourage you to send questions to us. And yeah, we want to point back to your local church pastor too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, yeah, this was, this episode was in response to a question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of me feels like there's more to this episode mm-hmm. to unpack. And we want to bring this into land and not keep it too long. Um, but we would love to get your recommendations on what we'd like to hear next time. But till then, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Steve, for You're all welcome. the teaching. Um, we love you all. We hope to hear from you soon.